how personal energetics impact veterinary culture and the individual veterinary career experience? That's what we're talking about in episode 51. Welcome to the Joyful DVM podcast. I'm your host, veterinarian and certified life coach, Carrie Wise. Whether you're dealing with the challenges in vet med, struggling with self-confidence, or you're just trying to figure out how to create a life and a career that you actually enjoy, you'll find encouragement, education, and empowering concepts you can apply right away. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 51. Today, we're going to be talking about our personal energetics and how that impacts the veterinary culture and our overall career experience. And I want to start out by introducing a concept called veterinary energetics, which really helps us to understand what's happening within the veterinary workplace. As far as our culture goes, workplace culture, toxic work environment is one of the things we're going to be talking about. And then also how the client interaction plays a role in that as well, as well as what the solution is. So I'm going to kind of show you the path to improving workplace culture in your own personal veterinary experience by understanding the energetics. To start out here, we have to first define what we're talking about. When I talk about the energetics, I'm not talking about your stamina or exhaustion. I'm not talking about that physical sensation in your body, you know, being tired or not being tired. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our overall energy blueprint, the way that we interact with each other. When we think about energy, we can think about vibrations. We can think about how energy waves have a certain type of frequency that goes with those. So if we have a high frequency wave, that's going to create high energy. If we have a low frequency wave, it's going to create low energy. And we're just talking like standard physics here, guys. So just bear with me. This does all come around and make sense. It's going to take a few minutes to kind of unpack where we're going here. If we think about physics and we think about energy waves, if we have a high frequency wave, it's going to have higher energy. If we have a low frequency wave, it's going to have lower energy. What creates how that kind of plays out is in a vibration. So the experience of those energetic waves is experienced by us as a vibration. So if we're thinking now as the personal body, thinking about our own human experience, the vibrations that we experience in our body either have a high frequency or a low frequency associated with that energetic wave. Where do those vibrations come from? Vibrations are the emotional experiences that we have. So there's a difference between the sensations in our body, things like hot and cold and pain and even physical tiredness. Those are physical sensations in our bodies, but they're different than emotional vibrations. The vibrations in our body are created by our emotional experiences. I guess a a better way to put that is the vibrational experience that we recognize is a direct reflection of the emotions that we are experiencing. Now, if we take this into consideration and we think about a concept that I've talked about before, which is called net emotional state, your net emotional state is basically your baseline. How are you feeling day in and day out? Are you stressed out? Are you anxious? Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Or are you peaceful? Are you joyful? Are you happy? Many of us recognize the roller coaster, right? The up and down, the up and down, the up and down, which is the normal experience of life, right? There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. But depending on the swing of that wave, that's going to be what determines where your net emotional state is, basically your baseline. If you recognize that you're feeling anxious, you're feeling stressed out, you're feeling frustrated and angry, those are the dominant emotions that you can recognize that you experience every single day when you're at work or in your life in general, this is not just work related, then you just want to notice that that is your baseline right now. Your net emotional state really is when you look at the whole spectrum of the emotional experiences that you have in, say, a 24-hour period, 
you can then see how often are you on the higher side, the more positive emotions, or how often are you on the lower side, the more negative emotions. And unfortunately, what many, many, many of us experience in the veterinary world is a high volume of low frequency emotions, the negative energy, the negative emotional state. There's a lot of reasons why this is. And you've heard me talk about these before, but I want to just point them out quickly because it's going to help us kind of come all the way back around to how this impacts culture. In the veterinary workplace, there is a lot of unknown. Every day is unknown. So we have this plan of how we think the day is going to go. We have a schedule. We have people who've made appointments and then it all blows up. Like almost every day, it all blows up. Like right, what we think is going to happen ends up being different than what it actually is. So anytime we have that gap between what we expected to happen and the reality of what is, then frustration is a very normal emotion to have in that moment. Along with that, many of us also experience uncertainty. So kind of a bit of a fear coming from that uncertainty because you just never know what's going to happen next. Is a hit by car going to walk in? Is there going to be a GDV? All that kind of stuff. How's Mrs. Smith going to respond when I tell her what I found when I examined Fluffy? So all of this, this constant uncertainty, which from a human perspective creates an emotion of fear. So that's happening at the same time. Then we have just our individual experiences, our individual human experience and our own personal state of well-being at any given point in time. As human beings, Many of us, I would probably go to say all of us, at some point in our lives, struggle with things like self-confidence and empowerment and courage and fear, just to name a few. There are these areas that really greatly influence our human experience. When we start to evaluate our experience against the experience of other people, we then start to judge ourselves. We may have our own insecurities, and we do. We all have our own insecurities. As we then judge ourselves, our own performance, our own existence against the existence of the other people and recognize what we're judging it against is actually our perception of the experience of other people. We cannot read their minds. We do not know how they feel about themselves. All we see is their outward portrayal. So we judge ourselves against these other people and their own experiences and their outward perspectives and the way that they interact. And that either proves all of the negative things that we believe about ourselves, or it doesn't. Unfortunately, if we are already feeling a little bit insecure, questioning our life path, not confident in our skill levels, uncomfortable in the way that we're spending our time day in and day out, then as we focus on and we start to use these other people as these measuring sticks, we often end up reinforcing the worst things that we believe about who we are. This makes sense from a neuroscience perspective. What we focus on, we create more of. And let me explain why. That's not just a pie in the sky, little flip thing that, that's thrown out there to be like, think about our thought, feel a better feeling. Like that's true, but let me explain why it's true. Because I don't much really care for little mantras if I don't understand if they're real. We can all come up with something amazing to believe and just chant it over and over again, and maybe that's going to feel a little bit better. But if we don't buy into the reason why, then it's never going to help us. So when I say what we focus on, we create more of. From a neuroscientific perspective, we've got to think about what the brain is doing. At a brain level, we've got that area of our brain, the reticular activating system, that is designed to bring into your awareness the things that you have told your brain is important. 
Remember, your brain is a massive computer. The inputs available to your brain every single day are beyond count. There are so many things. And there's no way that you and your human experience can possibly interact with everything that could potentially come into your awareness, to your consciousness. But your brain sees it. Your brain's constantly scanning all of the different inputs based on what you've told it to focus on. It's going to pull those things into your consciousness. It's going to make you aware of those things. As that happens, as it comes into your consciousness, as it comes into your awareness, now you start to think thoughts about it. What happens again at a brain level is in your brain, you have a photon storm, a light storm that happens in this moment. Thoughts create this light storm, this photon storm, an energy storm in your brain. And it is that energy storm, that photon storm, that then creates the neurotransmitters in the brain. The neurotransmitters then create the emotional experience that we have. So it is our thoughts that create a photon storm, that create the neurotransmitter, that create an emotional experience. We go back to the beginning of that, the reticular activating system is bringing the different pieces of the world into our awareness because we've taught it what it's priority for us to look for. So in the veterinary workplace, what tends to happen is that we have a bunch of humans working together, obviously, who are at all different levels of their own personal journey, getting to know who they are, embracing who they are, learning how to trust in who they are, developing their own opinions. And most of us are fighting through the muck of the fear and the uncertainty and the judgment and all the narrative that we've written about who we are up until this point in time, the, the narrative, the story of our lives that has been created unintentionally. This is very true as you get into your 20s. Who you are, who you believe you are at that point in time is likely only in part the intentional story of who you are, like what you decided who, about who you are. And the rest of it is what you've accepted about who you are based on other people's inputs, opinions, thoughts, their beliefs, and how they've done life. And then what you've concluded about yourself as you've measured yourself against them. So we've got this narrative, all of us going on at all times in our whole entire lives. And as we get into our 20s, and we kind of get into the real world, we're getting into that stage of our lives where we are responsible for ourselves, what we do recognize is that we don't feel great, that we're not necessarily happy. And so when you get into the veterinary community, we get into a veterinary hospital where uncertainty is an everyday occurrence, where the potential for frustration is always available to us. As we cling to those things, then it actually makes the situation worse. Here's why we cling to those things. The patterns that we have in our minds, the thought patterns, the habit thoughts that we have in our minds, they're like any other habit. So it's easier for your brain to think the thoughts that is always thought, to believe the stories that is always believed. It's easier for your brain to learn new thoughts and learn new stories if it is reinforced over and over and over again. So it's not unusual to be in that 12 to 24 month period of time after veterinary practice and realize that emotionally you're drained, that you're frustrated, that you're angry, that your net emotional state is low. And that's not because you're doing it wrong, which is what most of us conclude. It's not because you're doing it wrong. And it's actually not because all the other humans are doing it wrong. It's simply the result of constantly showing our brain with our focus, with the conversations we have, with the ways that we interact with each other, that that low vibration, low energy conversation is important to it. And as a result, it brings more and more awareness to it. It's a double-edged sword because here's the deal. When we're standing around and we commiserate and we point out all the things that are wrong, it does in the moment feel better. It feels better because of that 
collective, like you're part of a group. We're all in this together. And that is a human need is to be part of something and to find that validation in the way that we feel. But if we just stay focused in that one area because of the way that the reticular activating system works, what we focus on, we create more of. The way that we change culture in veterinary medicine is not by getting rid of all the, the bad seeds. And we're going to talk about the bad seeds here in a minute. It's by individually one person at a time taking over our personal energetics, understanding what's creating that emotional situation for us, the emotional experience for us, and then deliberately adjusting that. That emotional experience that we have, remember, is created by our thoughts, our beliefs. And to change the thoughts and beliefs at the foundational level, what you believe about yourself, what you believe you are and are not capable of, that's really the work that we all have to do. Now, here's the thing. This is not veterinary specific. It doesn't matter what you do with your life. It doesn't matter what career that you have. This is something that every human goes through. That point where the rubber meets the road, where you've got to figure out who are you? What part of your life is the part that you want and that you want to continue to cultivate and grow intentionally? And what are the parts of your life that are not an experience that's good for you? An experience that you may not even have intentionally chosen for yourself. How can you make some different decisions? As you start to really develop who you are in that stability and that absolute knowing and understanding and sense that confidence in who you are, then what happens is that you stop allowing, which isn't intentional, by the way, but you stop allowing the brain to just drive the bus. The mind left to its own devices is always going to find doom and gloom because that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to keep you safe, but we don't need that. It's not useful in this day and age. We have to question everything. So when we think about veterinary culture, when we step into a veterinary environment and the constant dialogue is around terrible clients and terrible bosses and terrible pay and terrible hours and all the terrible, and there's terrible. I'm not saying there's not terrible, but I'm saying when all of our focus is on that, then the collective energetic footprint, the veterinary energetics in that environment are going to be lower vibration. See what I'm saying? The lower energy. So when our net, net emotional state as an organization is low, then the frequency of the emotional wave is going to be low. This is important to know. So that means our emotional experience is going to be low. So why do we want a higher vibration? Why do we want a higher frequency? Well, obviously, you know, I've kind of already said this, a higher vibration equates to those higher emotions. So the ones that feel better. Also, maybe obviously, that higher vibration actually reflects more energy. So actual physical energy can also go up with that. But most importantly is the benefits of that. The clarity that you gain, the empowerment that you gain, the resilience that grows. That all goes together. As we learn how to shift our net emotional state to a higher baseline, we end up with a higher emotional vibration, a higher frequency, which actually then increases our confidence, our resilience, our empowerment, our courage, all of those things, our clarity. As a result of that, then the influence of the lower vibration energetics on us starts to really fade. Now, here's what's fascinating about energetics. If you have a high frequency energetic going on, high vibration energetic, and you have a low vibration energetic, just to say two people, you're definitely going to feel each other. So you know this. You guys have experienced this. You can walk in and you can feel the energy because we all put off energy based on where our baseline is. You're going to feel the energy. 
And like anything that's like a positive and negative, there's going to be a bit of a repelling. That doesn't mean the person who has a different energy blueprint or frequency than you have in this moment is a bad person at all. They're just a different, like in this moment, they're just experiencing the same environment as you are, but they're experiencing it in a different way. This is critical for us to know because what a lot of us do is we recognize the bad seed, the bad egg, and we go to weed it out. We think the way that you improve veterinary culture is to get rid of the bad apples. What I want to offer is just the perspective that the people who have the lower vibrations, the people who are the most angry, the most reactive, the most negative in the workplace, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. First off, their behaviors are always a reflection of their emotions. Think, feel, act, always in play. This doesn't change that at all. So when people behave badly, that's only a reflection of their emotions. Their emotions then are coming from something that they think or believe. So there's compassion that's always available to us when we just step back and we just recognize we are witnessing their experience, but they are not creating ours. We're creating that for ourselves. We have to remember that. The other thing we want to remember when we're thinking about culture and how do we fix culture is that we can separate out the energetic influence, the mood influence of people and what's required of their job. What I find is that when we end up with a negative work culture, what we like to call in veterinary medicine, toxic work culture, I hate that term. But when we end up in a toxic work culture, it's easy to point out one person to identify somebody that's the bad egg. But have you ever noticed that as soon as you get rid of that person, somebody steps right in to fill that role? What's happening there is that it's not just a one person or two person or three person problem. It's an organizational level problem. And at the highest level, there's a gap between what's expected and the reality of what's happening. And most likely what's happening is that the expectations have not been clearly defined for the behaviors of the people who work there. So behaviors being the things that they're responsible for, the way that they interact with each other and with clients, even down to things like when you take your lunch, what happens if you're late and whether or not you carry your cell phone. All these little things, these policies and procedures, these expectations of behavior, if they're not clearly defined on the front end, then all that does is it opens up this gap for expectation and reality to be different. Depending on the structure of the organization and the way the expectations are communicated, there's probably a lot of bait and switch going on. So it changes every single day. And there's also a likelihood that the consistency of communication of the expectations is pretty poor. In my experience, you fix those things. Everybody starts on an equal playing field and then you follow through with the consequences. If the expectations aren't met, then the culture changes drastically. It shifts in a hurry. And those people who are struggling, who are angry, who are frustrated, a lot of that resolves because it's not them alone that's the problem. What you see in them is their experience, their life. And part of that is the workplace, not all of it. Now, you may clean all that stuff up and then you still have people who aren't meeting expectations. That doesn't become a personal problem at that point. That just becomes an organizational challenge. It becomes a personnel kind of situation. Like it doesn't have to be emotional. So we think about all that in light of energetics. and We think about each human as having their own individual human experience. And the way that we view their behaviors as a reflection of their own experience, we can stop being offended by it. We can stop feeling like we are responsible for it or that they should be different than they are. And this is so important because when you start to recognize that their energetics, the way that they interact with you is simply a reflection of their own experience and you let them have their own experience, then it takes so much pressure off of you to do something different so that they behave differently. 
Think about clients. How often do we try to master the way we interact with them to make sure that they stay happy? Like we're not responsible for that. Their happiness doesn't come from what we do. Their happiness comes from what they believe about the situation. If we're doing our job then the way that we feel aligned to do in a way that we are confident with, then what happens is we can allow them to have whatever experience that they want to. I'm gonna say that again. When we practice in a way and I don't care if you're a veterinarian, a veterinary technician, a practice manager, I don't care what role is. When you interact in your job in a way that you feel good about, that you are confident in your choices, that you are solid in who you are, then how they respond to you stops mattering. It stops being something you try to control. Or spoiler alert, you're never going to control what other people say or do, ever. And this is one of the areas that kills our self-confidence because we keep trying and trying and trying harder and harder and harder to do things right so people are happy. It's not how this works. You're responsible for your own energetics. So if we can consider this and we think about the solution not being a hospital-wide solution. So how do we fix workplace culture? It's not to fix the hospital. <laughs> That's kind of hard, like how we would do that. It's not to weed out the bad apples. Like there are components of that that are included. But overall, as for you as an individual, I want you to listen up. If you're working in a culture that's not what you think is not ideal in a negative workplace culture, in a toxic workplace culture, here's what I want you to hear. Your experience of that culture is something that you alone have the power to control. Because what's absolutely true and physics and science have proven this, is when we look at energy waves, we look at high frequency waves and we look at low frequency waves. So high vibration, low vibration. When we look at those and we look at the influence of those on the other, a low frequency, low vibration wave cannot pull down a high frequency wave. I wanna say that again. Scientifically, a low frequency, low vibration wave cannot pull down a high frequency, high energy wave. This is critical to understand. The other side of it is fascinating because although a low frequency wave cannot pull down a high, a high frequency wave can pull up a low frequency wave. It's fascinating. So what that means is that it takes one person. It comes all the way back to what I've been saying for months. It takes one person in your organization to become the best versions of themselves, to work through their own crap, to become empowered over their own lives. It takes one person and that one person is gonna create a ripple effect that is going to impact the entire hospital. Now I'm not saying we're gonna put the responsibility for fixing this on one person. What I'm saying is if you're the one person, your experience of what you now call the negative workplace environment or the toxic culture changes. When you decide to be the one who controls the vibration at which you function, your net emotional state, your energy blueprint, when you decide to control that for yourself, you become untouchable by everything else. You also become an amazing like beacon of light because all of a sudden you're different. You're not commiserating. You're not complaining. You're not low energy all the time. You're not dragging your feet. It's amazing. You actually start to enjoy your life and you start to realize that what you are responsible for and what you're not responsible for. It's fascinating to see this in action. The effects then, if you as more and more of the frequency ends up rising, Right, as we start to individually grow into who we are, is what this all comes down to, becoming confident in who we are as people and what we're here to do and really just finding that courage to be who we already know who we are and to let go of all the stories that other people have offered us about who we should be. When you really learn to be who you are, that net emotional state raises, your vibration raises, your frequency raises, it becomes powerful. Other people energetically recognize that 
And together, you draw in more of the same. What we focus on, we create more of. So as you intentionally master what your mind thinks about, that's the first step in this. It's absolutely the first step. Don't take your thoughts at face value. Just because you think it doesn't make it true. Question everything. As we start to harness what goes on in our brains with our thoughts, to redirect those thoughts to thoughts that are useful for us, the thoughts that are true, that actually starts to shift that net emotional state, that baseline for us. We start to see more evidence of all of the good things, the things that we want in our lives. And as an energetic result, your energy frequency changes. The other people around you feel that, and it's going to have a positive influence. Because remember, your high frequency can pull other people up. It takes one person with a contagious outlook to change everything. You might be wondering, why is it then if you go into a negative work environment that you start to feel terrible? Why is it when you step into what you've already defined as a toxic work environment or you step into an environment where you notice an, this negative energy? Why is it that you feel bad? If they can't pull you down, why do you feel bad? And I want to take a second to address this because this is really important to understand what's actually happening. When you go into those areas and you notice, you feel that energy, your mind goes to work. It's going to work trying to figure it out, trying to come up with a reason for what it experiences. It does this no matter what the experience is in the world. It's your mind's always trying to understand it and make sense of it and justify it. When it recognizes this lower energy, and then as it hears the conversations, because let's, let's face it, like it's not just an environment where you feel negative energy. There's conversations happening. Language is what programs the mind. So when you hear the conversations, these are low frequency conversations. These are conversations of the complaining and the commiserating and the replaying of conversations and events and the drama and the gossip. These conversations, if we looked at them individually, have no value in serving clients or treating patients. They're not useful at all in doing that. They are the way that we have in the veterinary community as across most of the world have figured out how to cope with how we feel. We recognize we feel shitty. Let's all talk about feeling shitty together. And then we don't feel so alone about feeling shitty. The bad thing is it reinforces the idea that everything is shitty. So when we walk into the environment and we feel the negative energy and we start to pay attention to what's going on around us because that's what our brain does, we start to see, oh, this is why, and this is why, and this is why. This is what's happening, and this is a terrible thing that's happening over here, and overlook, we're double booked for appointments today, and look at that, we just had a hit by car walk in, and oh my gosh, they had a dog die in surgery earlier today, and look at this, Mrs. Smith on the phone for the 17th time today, wanting to know about her refill of Benadryl, all the things. And so all of that thought storm and the compounding effect of that is what creates that drop in the way that you feel emotionally. It's not the energy. It's the thought storm that follows it. So you can walk in and notice, okay, negative energy. And if you'll master intentional thinking and not let your brain spin off into the world of tragedy, which is what it wants to do for two reasons. Number one, it's designed to help you and to save you. And it thinks you're in danger. And number two, these are the habit thoughts that we've offered it. It's literally in your brain created a neural pathway that's a habit. So we just have to recognize, okay, oh, look, my brain wants to go this way. We're not going to go this way today. We're going to redirect. Nope, that's not, this is not useful. It's that mindset mastery, managing what you're thinking about, intentionally deciding for yourself what you want to focus on. That's how you do this. As you do that, what happens is that your baseline emotional state raises because you get to decide for yourself what you believe. You get to tell your own story. You get to build all that. As you work through that and you build your own confidence because your confidence increases as you clear out all the muck 
of all the habit thoughts and the, the narratives and all the stories and all the things that we believe just as a result of our experiences in the world and the condition that we've had from the people that we've been around. As you start to intentionally decide all of that stuff for yourself and you also build the courage to be who you really are and to let the other people just think whatever they want to think about you. As you do all that, your well-being just goes up and up and up and up. And as your well-being goes up, your vibration goes up. As your vibration goes up, your energy signature goes up. As your energy signature goes up, it actually becomes compounding. Your confidence goes up. Your clarity goes up. Your sense of empowerment goes up. As a result, the impact of the negative energy signature of the negative experiences, the impact on you becomes totally optional. You can notice your experience of it and then just let it move on by. You don't have to believe it. Here's the final thing I want to leave you with. Many of us have been told that we're anxious people. Many of us have been told that we are angry people, that we are, that we lack self-confidence. And my point is this, let's just use anxiety. I think using anxiousness is a, a very good example of, of the point I want to draw. I and mean, then you can, you can identify this for yourself. If you've been told that you're an anxious person, if you talk about yourself, I'm just an anxious person. What I want you to see is the lie that's inside of that, because it is a huge lie and it has a profound impact on you. When we say I'm an anxious person, what we're really saying is that I have a default of feeling anxiety, that my default of feeling anxiety is not something I can overcome. It's just going to be who I am for the rest of my life. That puts me at a disadvantage in my life. Recognize the impact of that. I am an anxious person. I want you to consider for a moment that there's absolutely no way that that's true. Anxiety is an emotion. It is something that we experience. You are not an emotion. You are a human who has emotional experiences. Sometimes you feel anxious. That's not a problem. But you are not anxious. It's impossible for you to be an emotion. You can experience emotions, but do not define yourself as the emotion. Because what you focus on, you create more of. If we define ourselves as anxious people, then we will just continue to find the evidence to support that conclusion. If we take it all the way back and see, now wait a minute, I can't actually be an anxious person because anxiety is an emotion that is experienced. Instead, I am just a person who experiences anxiety. Now, what that helps us to do is to recognize we are a person, whole and complete and intentional and perfect, exactly the way that we are, and we're living a human experience that sometimes involves anxiety, and there are ways that we can change our own experience around anxiety. Now we can start to see where we have power. When we define ourselves as the emotions that we experience, it becomes a very hopeless situation because our brain cannot figure out how to change it. As a result, we try to change all the things around us in order not to feel anxious. And any of you guys who've struggled with anxiety know that, that doesn't work. Unless you just stay in your house all the time, which doesn't work either because your mind is still there and it's still creating anxiety. The, the chances of you being able to fix your anxiety by controlling your circumstances is just slim and none. It just doesn't work. And it becomes very frustrating for us also because we think that if we try harder that we can fix this for ourselves. What I just want you to see is that you're just approaching the problem from a completely wrong direction. Let's start by stopping labeling yourself as the emotion that you're experiencing and just recognize you're experiencing an emotion, which is intentional part of the human experience, by the way. And then understand how you can change that for yourself by adjusting the stories, the thoughts, the beliefs that you have that are generating those emotions in the first place. All right, guys, I know that we've unpacked a lot here today and a little bit longer than planned. But if you're really interested in figuring out how is it 
that you increase your own well-being. Remember, it all starts with understanding your own experience. And that starts with understanding your own emotional pattern, really getting in touch with your net emotional state, understanding where that comes from, which goes all the way back to understanding your own thought processes and your thought habits. This is exactly what we do in Vet Life Academy. This is what this was all created for, was for us to gain that awareness, to understand that relationship between what we think and what we feel and how we behave, and then the influence on that in our whole entire lives. If you want to learn more about that, just jump over to joyfuldvm.com forward slash Vet Life Academy, and you can learn all about it there. All right, my friends, that's going to wrap it up for this week, and I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Joyful DVM podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the concepts and ideas discussed here and how to apply them to your own life to create confidence and empowerment for yourself, you'll love VetLife Academy. To check it out and learn more, visit joyfuldvm.com forward slash Academy. And if you're loving this podcast, I'd appreciate it if you'd share it with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. We can change what's possible in VetMed together.